Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I want to hear cannons. Outfield, pull up, ball to the five, touchdown, Tampa Bay. My Gubbins does it again. Fire the cannons, Bucks. It's first and goal. That's picked off. That's picked off. And who else? Rondé Barber. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers may ride to the Super Bowl with that one. Third down, 18. Dropping Gannon, looking Gannon, looking Gannon. Those up with it. Hands in the Your final score from Levi Stadium is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will fall to four and six on the season after giving up 420 total yards of offense to Brock Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers. Brock Purdy finishes with a perfect passer rating on the day. Another frustrating loss on the season for the Bucs. And I don't even know where to begin. But welcome back. I'm your host, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host from BucksNation.com, Evan Wanish. And we are going to do our best to recap what we just witnessed in Week 11 as the Bucks fall on the road. Another frustrating loss in a game that, for a while, felt like it was closer than it had any right to be. You know, it felt like a lackluster first half, but you came away from it feeling pretty good because the Bucks only trailed six points at halftime, 7-13, to 13, and they got the ball to start the second half, but too little too late there, and it leads to a loss. Evan, your thoughts on the game? It, I guess maybe my – well, for one, um, I predicted a 13-point loss. They lost by 13, so uh, not too shabby, but – I. Am I crazy for coming out of this thinking they didn't play that bad? Like, I, to me, I thought this was going to be much worse. Like, the, the stats you said, like, I was surprised. Like, obviously, my mic, you know, at the beginning of the show, our mics are muted. So when you said that they had whatever, how many yards of offense? 420, San Francisco. Yeah, when, when you said that, I, I said, obviously, nobody could hear it, but I was like, wow. <laughs> I was like, it didn't really feel that way, honestly. And obviously, uh, what a 98, you know, yard drive for the three plays will definitely skew those numbers a bit. But, um, I don't know. I come away from it, obviously, because we all expect a loss, right? I I think even the most optimistic Bucks fans probably figured this wasn't going to be a game the Buccaneers were going to win. Like it just, it probably wasn't going to be. The talent was too much of a mismatch. You're headed to the West Coast on you know on the road. It's just too much. Um, to me, they played better this year than they did last year. Like last year, they were outclassed, like in every way imaginable. This year, there was a shot, and, and some of it was San Francisco keeping them in the game. San Francisco struggled with some penalties and stuff, and um, you know, and er- everything like that. But there was a shot; they had a chance to win. Like, like they had a chance to uh, make things really interesting, and just unfortunately, too many missed opportunities against a good team. And when you do that against a good team you're you're not ever gonna win so i mean kate otten with the ball in the end zone drops it next play is a pick i mean you know that that should be a touchdown right there so um yeah yeah you're just not gonna not gonna win um in this league with that many against anybody but especially against uh you know top three team in the nfc uh that's just that's not gonna fly so now they're four and six and basically 
you know, I think their season is on the line next week in Indy. And the, the thing I, I come out of this game worrying about is, and we'll get into this, but um, I'm sure you were going to mention it, Levante David, Carlton Davis, and Jamel Dean. They all left this football game. If those guys aren't available for next week, I, I don't know if the Bucks are going to win, and they, they need to win next week. So, And then Tristan Wirth even gets banged up. He gets banged up, but he comes back out, and then he allows his first sack of the season to Chase Young. Clearly not right. So is Tristan Wirth going to be available? So uh, big question marks on the injury on the injury front. And uh, I, unfortunate that the Bucks lost, but it was expected. And honestly, I thought it was going to be worse. So I'm a little bit encouraged by what I saw uh, more so than, than discouraged. Yeah, obviously, we're uh, going to hope for a positive update on the injuries. Any news that comes out, we will keep you guys updated uh, as soon as we hear it. But kind of like you said, everyone knew. I don't want to say everyone knew because a lot of people were, were pretty harsh on us for saying the Bucks were going to lose this game. But most realistic people knew the Bucks were going to lose this game. And, you know, you go into a game with that mindset, one of the top priorities that week is going to be coming out healthy. And unfortunately for the Bucks, they lost a lot of big-time players this week. I know people weren't too happy with Carlton Davis before he went down and left that game. Jamel Dean either. But regardless, those are the top two paid corners on this team. And this defense works better when they're out there. I, they, were, they were starting Josh Hayes. Like, Josh Hayes was playing meaningful snaps. Like, that's what happens when Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean are out. Like, if those two can't go now, and we're going to have to keep a close eye on the injury report this week because not only do you have those two, you got Levante Davis. So that's three huge pieces of your defense, and you need all three of those guys. While we are talking about the Buccaneers' defense, let's give them some praise. I I know they obviously didn't have the best game today, but as far as the pass rush goes, the pressure was was noticeable. The pressure was there. They were getting to Brock Purdy, if I'm not mistaken. Four sacks allowed by the 49ers today. Yaya Diaby getting two of those in another week in a row where he gets more meaningful snaps. So, you know, we talk a little bit more of the development for these younger players on this Buccaneers roster. And now with the injuries, there's going to be some more younger players stepping in. Servasier Dennis, another guy who's potentially going to be looking at more snaps over the next few weeks, depending on Levante David's status. But Kalijah Kansi was in there today up in the mix, and, and obviously Yaya Diaby another week in a row getting to the quarterback. What do you think of the pass rush today? Yeah, I thought it was okay. I mean, one of the sacks was Purdy stepping up in the pocket and just sort of going down. With the one, the first Yaya Diaby sack, he was uncovered. Um, but then the, you know, the second one was really good, like a little stunt that they did with Devin White. And um, yeah, I mean, Diaby's been been pretty good uh he's been pretty good so far this year and um you know now sacks and back-to-back games uh coming off you know that tennessee game and um yeah he he has been he's been pretty good and and you're starting to see i think what you want to see from a rookie right especially uh, not a first round pick early in the year he's not getting as many snaps when he is getting snaps he's not really contributing a ton right uh but Later in the year, right? When you get into November and December, you start to see it, right? And you start to see those flashes, those signs of life. And that's what I think you want to see out of out of a third round pick. And um, especially a third round pick that's not a starter. Like he's not being asked to play 90% of the snaps there. So um <laughs> funny that he now has more sacks uh than Joe Trinashoinka does on the season. He has four, Joe Trinashoinka has three. Uh, and he is also now 
has the same amount uh, as Joe Tryon Shawinka's career high, which is four. He had four last year, four the year before, and now he sits at three and actually had those three, I believe, within like the first uh, few weeks of the season. Let me check here. Uh, yeah, hasn't had a sack in the past five games, so has been really quiet. But Yaya Diaby stepped up, and he's a bright spot on this defense. And it's not just a bright spot for now. It's a bright spot for three years from now as well. Because I think that's what matters the most about this season, figuring out you know who's going to be on the 2026 bucks, you know, who's going to be on the 2027 bucks. And, um, you know, I think we're, we're, we're finding that out right now. And guys like Joe Tryon, Shawinka, and Logan Hall, maybe they're not. Guys like Yaya Diaby and Kalaja Kansi, looking like they're going to be. Let's talk a little bit more about what went wrong for the defense today. Obviously, Brock Purdy had a career game, 21 for 25, 333 yards, three touchdowns, and a perfect passer rating of 158.3. So when you look at all the you know the breakdowns on defense, because that's what it was. I mean, it was just chunk play after chunk play, whether it was to George Kittle or Brandon Ayuk, who had six catches for yeah. a monster day. The Bucs just couldn't catch a break. What really, you know, did you notice today was going wrong on the defense? Well, you know, a lot of them just busted coverages. And, you know, it's a, I think John Ledyard even tweeted this out, that it's sort of a, an indictment on Todd Bowles, uh, an indictment on Bowles that, um, you know, there's still uh, there's still the, these busting coverage and these wide open receivers as uh, Mr. Bucks Nation, uh, his chat's rating. We appreciate all the views there, guys. Uh, talking about the game now, talking about Brock Purdy's day versus the Bucks and uh, everything going on in the secondary. But yeah, just you know, a lot of a lot of busted coverages. Um, you know, guys not playing well. And I actually, Zach Jarvis in the chat said something about you know Jamel Dean not being good. And um, I like I get it. You're frustrated. Um, I mean, that's, that's your opinion. Uh, I think Jamel Dean is good to me. And I was actually explaining this, uh, you know, to my dad or whatever, to me, it's a big difference in a bad football player or in, in any sport. This could be any sport. These guys are professionals. They're playing against other professionals. Uh, there's a difference between a bad player and a good player having a bad year. There's a huge difference. You see that all the time. Like there, there is a huge difference in that. Um, is we appreciate all the support Mr. Bucks Nation sent me. All right, cool, cool, cool. Um, yeah, so there's a huge difference there. I think Jamel Dean is a good player having a bad year. I think Carlton Davis is a good player having a bad year. I don't think those guys are bad football players. They're just not having good years. So I do think there's a difference. Um, also, Flauson says, I assume this puts the pin in him getting that fifth year option picked up. Joe Tryon Schwinka, he's talking about, yeah, I, Joe Tryon Schwinka's. Uh, so the Bucs have to make the decision this offseason on whether or not to pick up his fifth year option. You have to make the decision before year four starts. They will not be picking that up. Uh, they will not be picking up the, the fifth year option on Joe Tryon Schwinka. So, um, yeah, and I, I just think, you know, there's just too many busts in coverage. And, look, I'm not in the uh, the room, right? I'm not in that defensive back room. I don't know what the play call is. I don't know what it's supposed to look like. But clearly, Debo Samuel isn't supposed to be running, uh, you know, run open wide open with no buck 20 yards near him. So, uh, clearly, something is messed up there. And, you know, once Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis go down, you're throwing in more inexperienced players, and busts like that could happen at times. It's just soft. It, it was soft defense all game long today, I thought. You know, we, we do talk about the positivity in the pass rush, but it, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to get the job done. A, a measure of success for this defense this week, or at least this entire Bucks team, was going to be how they not only handled Brock Purdy in this passing attack, all the weapons they have, but 
Christian McCaffrey, arguably, you know, the best weapon for any team in the NFL. He had another monster day today, 21 carries for 76 yards, which is lower than what his average is, but he still managed to get over 100 yards from scrimmage on the day with five catches for 25 yards, and one of those being a receiving touchdown, which put San Francisco out in front early in this game. If it wasn't McCaffrey, it was everybody else. You know, Brandon Ayuk, we talked about it with our buddy Tommy on uh, Friday's pregame show. He said one of the underrated options that not a lot of people are talking about in this offense is Brandon Ayuk, and that's exactly what San Francisco has. If Christian McCaffrey isn't going to be the guy to break out, it's going to be George Kittle. If it's not going to be George Kittle, it's going to be Debo Samuel. If it's not going to be Debo Samuel, apparently it's going to be Brandon Ayuk. Five catches for 156 yards and a touchdown for him, including the biggest touchdown play of the NFL season by any player. Just, just uh, you know, another statistic that is on brand for this Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense. Seems like they are giving up history week in and week out, making it look easy for a lot of these teams. But, I mean, they didn't do anything to stop anything San Fran had today. They, they, they really didn't. Again, competitive in that first half. I will give them that. But in my opinion, deceptively competitive. You know, San Francisco was incredibly frustrated with where they were offensively at the end of this game. They were frustrated that Christian McCaffrey couldn't pick up the one yard on fourth and one, and the Bucs still had another shot at the end zone. So, you know... We can say whatever we want, but Brandon Ayuk has five catches for a buck 56. George Kittle has eight catches for 89 yards. Debo Samuel has three catches for 63 yards. Like, they hit everybody today, and the Bucks didn't do a damn thing about it. Yeah, and, and again, that's just that's another another thing when you're looking at bowls, and it's it's a negative, right? And when, when the Glazers are looking at that, and Jason Light's evaluating that at the end of the season, should the Bucs miss the playoffs. Obviously, if they make the playoffs, there's not going to be, unfortunately, some fans may want full bowls still fired, but that's that's not going to happen if they make the playoffs. Uh, but if they miss the playoffs, you're going to be evaluating everything, and that's something that they might evaluate. Like, Todd Bowles is supposed to be uh, this defensive guy, right? He was their defensive coordinator. He was a really good defensive coordinator. They made him one of the highest-paid DCs in the league. And his defense is supposed to be the thing that's reliable, right? You're supposed to rely on this defense. And at times this season, you haven't been able to. And I understand that they are playing a lot of younger players. Um, you know, I mean, they got like Christian Isian is their basically their nickel. He was an undrafted free agent. Like they got D Delaney as their other starting safety. Like I get it. But at the same time, like, the busting coverage and stuff should not, uh, you know, sh- should not be happening at this stage, especially not with these amount of veterans that have been in the same system. Uh, sometimes you're going to get beat. That's going to happen. But um, at, at the same time, though, the the wide open receivers and uh, just the the easiness, I guess you could say, that the Buccaneers defense allows things to be. I mean, the 49ers got three points at the end of the half there. Uh, you know, it would have been massive if the Bucks could have just held them there. But, you know, the 49ers get a quick drive to get down and score some points for the half. That That's some, it's small things like that that matter. Like, th- those things do matter. So, um, they end up going eight, eight plays, 61 yards in a minute and 32 seconds. Uh, that's just, that's, that's uh, they went from the San Francisco 29 to the Tampa Bay 10. Uh, you know, that's something on defense you can't have. And uh, too often, uh, the Bucks defense has done that this year. It's been just such a bad habit. You know, last week against Tennessee, obviously they were able to shut down Will Levis, a rookie QB, and the rest of that offensive unit. But 
every single team seems like they just start getting more and more momentum because, you know, we've talked before about the identity of this defense. When they play well, they are a uh, a bend but don't break kind of defense, right? Because you can give up a lot of yards. If you're playing an offense that you know has weapons, you know those guys are going to get theirs. But you have to clamp down when it matters, and that's in the red zone. And they just they haven't been able to do that. So when you can't do that, plus you're giving up the amount of yardage that you've been giving up, you know, averaging basically 100 yards given up per quarter now, uh, it, it's not a good look. It is soft, and unfortunately, that's the identity they have for me after this week. But... Also wishing the best for the injuries, and if we get anything on Levante David, Jamel Dean, or Carlton Davis, we will obviously keep you guys updated. So let's talk about the other side of the football here, because that wasn't perfect either, and we will start with the quarterback. Baker Mayfield, 29 for 45, 246 yards, one touchdown, one interception, one fumble lost. This might be a hot take. It might be a cold take in a couple of weeks. I can tell you one thing. People aren't going to like it very much. I didn't think Baker was that bad today. I, I thought he was pretty. I thought he was pretty, pretty, pretty all right for eighty uh, percent of the game. Yeah, I, I thought he was fine. Yeah, I mean the 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 fumble can't happen in that spot. Yeah, um, trying trying to do too much. It, yeah, just that's exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah, just just trying to do too much. Um, fumble can't happen in that spot. Interception was just bad luck. Like I said, play of four that should have been six. Um, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think he was bad. Again, though, the thing with Baker, and we're we're gonna talk about yeah, and brutal as Bucks did did mention this, it is true. Like the 49ers dropped probably like two picks or, or three picks. They did. Um, so it, it was like, but I, I didn't. I'm look. We're not saying he played great. Like neither one of us are saying, oh, Baker Mayfield was actually really good today, and everybody else sucked. We're not saying that. But like he he was fine. Um, and like I, I, better than like I think he played better in this game than he did versus Philly. Like it, and versus Detroit. Let me tell you the main reason I'm not coming down harder on him. One, the missed opportunities. We just talked about K. Donton dropping that touchdown in the end zone. It, you know, if he if he hangs on to that football, we're not even having a discussion. I mean, maybe we are because the Bucks probably still lose, but they're they're even closer to having a chance to win this game, right? You, you make it a what a, a twenty twenty seven game at that point. I think if he hangs on and they're able to kick the yeah. PAT. Well, yeah, it, it, yeah, it would have been uh, 27-21 if they kicked the extra point. 27-21, my mistake. So, like the missed opportunities, you know, we can harp on that all day. Devin Tompkins had that big return. The offense couldn't do anything with it. You know, mm-hmm. they, it, there was that one play or that one drive. They ran 17 plays, wind up with zero points. You know, like those are the two drives that really should have kept them in this game. And if they would have just gone out there and executed, they would have played well. But the biggest re- or they would have potentially won this game. But the biggest reason I'm not coming down on Baker is because when the offense finally came alive was when he was just he threw like seven or eight straight completions. And, and yeah, that was when Chris, that was when Chris Godwin was getting involved in this game plan, had no catches in that first half. And then at the end of the third quarter, I think he has six or seven. He was productive in that second half. Like, I, I thought the boost in momentum that we saw from this offense, you know, getting them back into this game, that at one point was 27-7. to 7. I, I really thought they could have looked worse, but he's obviously a, another player who has proven that he's not going to stop throwing it. That, that's for sure. And yeah. the Bucks this week almost made him throw the ball 50 times down there to the bitter end with the, uh, the, the deflected Hail Mary. But, you know, your overall thoughts on Baker today, and I guess the rest of the offense, too, is we'll, we'll dive into that. 
Yeah, really well, really quick, we got a uh super chat, 10 uh, 999 super chat from Deontay Incel. Uh Baker had some questionable throws. Young wide receivers with drops are OC not getting Evans and CG involved early. Bucks TV's dropping like flies and giving up too many big plays must win next week. I agree. Agree with all. Um Agree with all there for sure. Thank you uh, very much for the super chat as well, Deontay. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, appreciate it a bunch. Uh, here's my thing, and I just want to get this thought out really quick before I talk about Baker's day today, specifically, and then the o- offense overall. My thing with Baker is we okay, he's, he was fine. I go into this game not having any faith that the Bucks are going to win it because I'm like, it's Baker Mayfield, you know, like. If the Bucks had Tom Brady in this game, you know, like all and right, you know, it's tw- it's, it's twenty it's twenty seven to fourteen. They make it twenty seven twenty one. Okay, maybe you know, maybe maybe they can win the game. I didn't think Baker Mayfield was going to score two touchdowns. Like, and and that's that's the problem, right? And when you're talking, and we're I'm not going to just harp on this too much because we are going to have basically an entire two months before free agency and stuff hits to be able to talk about this stuff. But when you're evaluating Baker Mayfield, he's fine and he's good enough to win you some games, but he's probably not good enough to win you the game. And at the end of the day, at the quarter, sometimes, you know, at some positions you can get by, right? Some positions I I believe like just my team building mind, you get you can get by. You can get by at tight end. You can get by at running back. You can get by maybe at like a guard spot. You know, you can get by maybe inside linebacker. Quarterback, you can't get by. You you just can't. So that's the that's what the Bucks have to evaluate this year. Uh is Baker Mayfield, is he just a guy or is he the guy? Right now, it's I I think he's a guy. And, and I and I do think it depends on um, Todd Bowles' status with the team. I think if Todd Bowles is back, I think that increases the chances that Baker Mayfield's back. However, if Todd Bowles gets fired, I I can't see a world where Baker Mayfield's back and Todd Bowles isn't. Um, I just think that new head coach is going to want to come in, especially with because if Todd Bowles is fired, you're probably having a top top ten pick, right? Because that means you didn't make the playoffs and you you have a top ten pick. You have a chance at a quarterback. I just I have to imagine that new head coach is going to come in and look at this situation and say, I can get my own guy, and Baker Mayfield ain't my guy. So I think when evaluating Mayfield, that's just what I see. He's fine, but is he somebody you want to commit to long-term or even not even long-term, commit to for 2024? Because if you commit to him for 2024, are you just signing up for seven wins again? Right. Like, you know, are you voluntarily signing up for seven wins? If you make the playoffs, you'll lose in the wild card round. Like, that's my thing with Mayfield. I think realistically, you you know, that's the perfect evaluation for where Baker is so far this season. You know, Todd Bowles being the variable there, it has a lot to do with things because we talked with JC Allen a couple of weeks ago about Todd Bowles and how in the hot seat is he really? You know, because this is his first year putting his staff together. This is his first year getting to pick his OC. It's a first-year offensive coordinator. His first season getting to pick his quarterback, which, again, he was already limited, one hand tied behind his back, $45 million against the cap. We we know the situation the Bucs were in. So, I people aren't going to like this, but I, 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 my opinion, 
is different than everyone else's opinion. I still think Todd Bull's job is safe. I'm not saying it's the right move. I'm just saying what I think is going to happen. And what I think is going to happen is the Bucs are going to finish somewhat close to the top of the NFC South. And it's going to be just enough to get a mediocre draft pick, re-sign Baker to another one-year deal, and bring uh, back see, I, Todd Bowles. That's what I think is going to happen. Here's, but here's the, thing. but I, the point that you brought up is that if Bowles is fired, this goes back to Baker. This is the original point I wanted to make. If Bowles is fired, then I definitely think there isn't anyone on that front office who is looking at Baker and, and they're ready to bring him back. I definitely don't think that's the case. But you build consistency with this offense, and if Todd Bowles is back for another year and Dave Canales is back for another year, then my gut says Baker Mayfield is going to be back for another year. I, I think he's going to have to play like absolute garbage the second half of the season for them to bring this staff back and then have to reevaluate the quarterback position all over again. Cause they're not going to get a draft pick. That's going to be uh, enough to draft a QB worth a damn, unless maybe uh, you get lucky with Michael Penix, who everyone now is saying is going to be a day two pick, but I don't know. No, I don't sure. know. Um, no, no. Here, here's the thing though. If, if you don't make the playoffs, it's going to be just like last year with the NFC South. The one team makes the playoffs. The other teams get like top 12 picks. So the Bucs are going to be picking fairly high if they don't make the playoffs. That's just how it's going to be. Um, a few things, though. One, I don't think Baker Mayfield's going to accept another one-year deal. Just don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think he's going to be seeking a Geno Smith-type deal. Do you think he's uh, played good enough to go get a Geno Smith-type deal from other teams? A lot of bad quarterback play out there, man. A lot of bad. What if, what if Kirk Cousins bolts for somewhere else? There's like a team like Minnesota. He will. Just look, he will. Look to, he's look he's to do that. He's done in Minnesota. You know? I thought that was the agreement like, headed well, into this year. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know. We'll see. You know, I just you know, there, there's a lot of bad quarterbacks out there, dude. Like there's just there's a lot of guys. Um, you know, if the Giants if they feel they're not in a position to uh, and they want to just cut Daniel Jones or get rid of Daniel Jones's money or whatever, and they feel they're not in a position to draft a guy, you know, who who knows? Now a few things. Uh, Mr. Bucks Nation, or well, your buddy James, not really, fine. but um, I, I, I don't think comparing Baker Mayfield to Tom Brady is super fair for expectations in this game. Not what I was saying. Not what I'm. My point is when it's twenty-seven to fourteen, and the Bucks are driving with five minutes left. I don't have any faith that they're actually going to win the game. And part of that is because Baker Mayfield is their quarterback. What if K. Dotton catches that touchdown? It, they're still down six. I, I don't have any faith they're going to get another they're one. They're still down six, and then Devin Tompkins gets that ridiculous no, return. That, that was on that one. Okay, my mistake. That was, I'm pretty sure that was that drive. So that, that, that's all That's all the same. And also, if, if, they, if the Bucks score, the 49ers play that offense differently, too. Like, like the 49ers went into a shell. Like, they started running the ball. Like, they play it differently. Um, but th that's my point though. At 27 to 14, I had zero faith that the Bucks were actually going to come back even when they were driving down the field. Because and part of the reason is because Baker Mayfield's just a guy. He's just a dude, you know, and like you can find those guys, you know, like I you you can and I don't think he is the worst option in the world. And out of the quarterback options that the Buccaneers had for themselves this past offseason, yeah, Baker Mayfield probably was the best one. Like, And I, I said that. I said I would sign Baker Mayfield. And I stand by that. I think it was the right decision. I'm not saying that. But I just think that 
right now. Like he's just like, why do I want to commit any sort of long-term money that I think it's going to take? Like, I don't think he's going to, if he accepts another one-year deal, fine, come back. You know, but I just, I can't see him accepting another one-year deal. And if he does accept a one-year deal, it's going to be a heck of a lot more than $4 million. Um, So it's going to be eaten into your cap space. I just, I don't know if I want to commit more money or more term to a guy that when they're down 13 with five minutes left, I'm like, yeah, the game's done. Even when they're driving. I just, I I, I, don't, I don't know. And, and I don't know if the Bucks do either. Seven games left for Baker Mayfield to try and change some hearts and minds of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan base. But as we wrap up this week's post-game show, let's take a look at what else went wrong for the rest of the offense. We just talked a lot about the quarterback. But I'll tell you this. Uh, I look at this box score, and I see your leading receiver as Kate Otten. Four receptions for 49 yards. Uh, I don't know who you're going to beat week in and week out if your leading receiver is a tight end with 49 yards. But, you know, in that first half, there wasn't much of anything from Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And we talked a lot last week about the success that this offense has had in recent weeks as they try and build something. A lot of that has to do with with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin being a part of it. Mike Evans is the catalyst for this Buccaneers offense in 2023. We have determined that. We have determined that this year, more so than many, many previous seasons, Mike Evans is your bona fide wide receiver one. He just is. You don't have the depth and talent that you used to in this wide receiver room. And Mike is definitely proving he can play. And when this offense runs its best this season, it's whenever they feed the ball through Mike Evans. And, And that did not happen. It was one catch, one yard, one touchdown for Mike Evans in the first half of this game. And then they finally got him going in the second half. But, you know, too little, too late. Once the game is 27 to 7, you really don't have any chance but to get desperate chucking the ball. So they got away from the run game, which may not have been working that great anyways. Nine carries for 30 yards for Rashad White. He did get a touchdown, but only averaged 3.3 yards per tote. Chase Edmonds did a little bit better, but not by much. Four carries for eight yards, two yards per carry. And then obviously Devin Tompkins and Trey Palmer both got a carry on some end arounds there. So some trickery involved, but I mean, what happened? Why Why did we seemingly not learn our lesson and, and come out with what looked like an inept game plan in that first half because it, it definitely uh, was not good. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I don't know. Um, you know, I'm not installing the game plans. I'm, I don't really, you know, might be something they saw in coverage from San Francisco. I'm just, yeah, I, I'm more perplexed, not maybe at Evans, but I'm more perplexed of how, like, of a non-factor Chris Godwin was in that first half. And, hey, kudos to Trey Palmer. I mean, Trey Palmer got involved early and often. Uh, Keem Jarrett had a nice catch. Kate Otten, obviously, you know, had nice days. I thought Rashad White had a pretty nice day. Uh, you know, not really on the ground. Bucks didn't really try and run the ball much. Um, not really on the ground, but through the air, I thought Rashad White had a decent day. Uh, Payne Durham even got involved a little bit, so they, they were getting a lot of people involved, and I just think not so much Evans. I just think Godwin has to be that guy that he's just a chain mover, you know, and I feel like like, they didn't even target him. They targeted Evans, I think, on Baker's first throw of the game. I look, think they targeted Evans. They didn't even target Chris Godwin barely in, this, in the first half. Look what happened when they finally did. It was catch after catch after catch, first down after first down after first down. It was it was the most effective football we had seen all day. Right, right. And it's, you know, I, I, I don't know exactly. Um, I thought, you know, this, their screen game was working a little bit. 
um you know the the quick passes especially it was nice they were able to get in you know second and third and short um be able to you know create some advantages there and, and but it's it's also it's because they started to throw the ball on first down more like that's you when you throw the ball on first down more you're going to be able to get into second and short third and short situations and, and pick up first downs that way so um I don't know exactly what the game plan was. It, yeah, obviously it wasn't great in the first half. Second half, they made some adjustments. Unfortunately, the second half was sort of where the defense started to fall apart a little bit, uh, and then it sort of got out of hand as Deontay has another super chat, $5 one this time. Uh, I'm praying. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm praying they aren't giving Evans as many targets because of incentives and because of his contract dispute with the team. No, I, I that doesn't matter. I mean, Baker maybe feel the size where, where, where the ball goes ultimately, and like he doesn't care. It, it, that, that's not his money. So yeah, any, um, any, anything, any contract negotiations, basically any type of drama whatsoever between a player and the franchise has next to nothing as far as uh, to do with affecting the, what's happening on the, the field. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, like if, the, if, the the team itself, like even like the coaching staff, like that's the front office. Like that's Jason Light to worry. That's not Todd Bowles' worry. Like. Jason Light's sitting there like, man, he's going to cost an extra three mil now. Like, Todd Bowles doesn't care. Todd Bowles is trying to keep his job. Like, like, like that. that's, you know, that's how he's trying to go about it. So, if somebody uh, came we up appreciate to, the super chat, though, Deontay. Really do. Yeah, I appreciate the support, buddy. But if somebody came up to Dave Canales or, or whoever was designing the offensive game plan that week and said, hey, we couldn't get a contract done with Mike. Could you, could you, maybe cut his targets this week? That person <laughs> would be fired. They, they yeah. would be escorted out of the building and they would never be seen from again. So uh, definitely not the case and, and not something you and, have and, to worry and, about. And that's like, you know, the, that's kind of like what, what the the freaking Dolphins got in trouble for. You know, Stephen Ross, uh, you know, allegedly, you know, like paying whatever, incentivizing coaches to lose football games, right? Um, Deontay also said, I mentioned it because it happened to AB. Oh, boy. Oh, well, and we I think we... no, we've gone over the Antonio Brown stuff enough. I I don't think that was the case. Um, Tom Brady targeted him like 16 times in that one Carolina game, and, and he targeted him like seven times in the first half of that Jets game. So clearly, it wasn't a target thing. I, I... Uh, in, in 2020, at the end of the season, I remember people being angry because I think Chris Godwin could have gotten to a thousand yards. But instead, the Bucks force-fed the ball to Antonio Brown, so he would reach, I believe, two incentives on his contract. So it wasn't an issue in 2020. I doubt it would be an issue in 2021. I don't know. I, I think Antonio Brown has a pretty good track record of being a reliable source, but, you know, it, it is what it is. Yeah. To each their own. I mean, to yeah. each their own. So final thoughts here is as we wrap up this week's post-game show, headed into the week. It's a loss Thank, that Thanksgiving you, week. Thanksgiving yeah, Thanksgiving week. week. Hopefully you can uh, gather with your loved ones and have some delicious food here on Thursday. Going to be watching football all day long. That I cannot wait for. But uh, as far as the Bucks, you know, sitting at four and six, still obviously in the NFC South with a couple of division games ahead of us here. But like it's a loss that we expected. So you just have to eat it and move on. And, and live with it because it is what it is. The Bucks are a four and six football team, but you look ahead next week to Indianapolis. And just like you said at the start of the show, that game looks more dire than ever, but I will be honest, yeah. you know, based off of how they played against Tennessee last week. And even I hate to say silver lining, cause we don't do a lot of moral victories anymore on the podcast, but you know, they did compete in this game. They did show signs of with, life. With, with a team that is much better than them. Yes, much, much better. I, I would say that 
you know, when you look at the three biggest threats they have played this season, being San Francisco, Detroit, and Philadelphia, today was their best performance of all three of those games. Oh, yeah, for sure. If you can be a somewhat competent football team next week, I think the Colts are definitely a beatable football team for yeah, the Bucs I mean, to get back on track. You know, they're they're five and five. Um, they're beatable, right? You know, you're on the road. Colts are coming off a bye week. Uh, you know, we're, we're gonna we have plenty of time to talk about this next game. The tough thing is, I I can't base it right now because I just I don't know what that injury report looks like. That's just that's so massive to me. You don't have Levante David, Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, maybe Tristan Warfs changes things a little bit. So, and I think it could change, you know, but like to me, this is it. Like, honestly, and, and if you want to go a little bit more of, well, maybe next week's not a must win. Okay. The next three games then, right? You have to go two and one in the next three games to have a shot. Your next three games are at Colts versus Panthers at Falcons. You go any worse than two and one, you're done. Like it, it, it it's over. You know, it, it, you know, especially if those two losses are to Carolina and Atlanta. One, if you lose to Carolina, I don't care if you beat Indy fifty-six nothing. If you lose Carolina the next week, pack it up, like pack it up. Uh, especially in Tampa, yeah, done. But y- y- these next two, three games, you got to go two and one over them. Y- you have to, and preferably. You know, I would say preferably, I mean, one of the wins coming against Atlanta because you sweep it, you get you get swept by Atlanta. They have really owned a tiebreaker over you. You don't want to get into that business. But if you want any shot at winning the NFC South, you got to go two and one over these next three games. Any worse, and your season's going to be over. Is Frank Reich the head coach of the Panthers two weeks from today? Yeah, I think he's going to get the year. Yeah. I, I I don't know if I don't know. Maybe not week eighteen, but I, I I think I think as far as two weeks from today, I I think he'll be he'll be the guy. I, I, and it's, like Frank Reich's a good coach. I just like you look at that wide receiver room in Carolina. You look at their offensive line. They got a rookie quarterback. I don't know, man. Like it's almost like trading away your number one wide receiver to get a rookie quarterback than not replacing that number one wide receiver with anybody actually good might hurt you. I don't know. Um, but I, I sort of feel for for Frank Reich. Yeah, but I I I think he's probably the guy there at that point. I, week one, twenty twenty four. I don't know, but uh, for now, I, I I think so. Um, and like, but like I said, um, this uh, yeah, and, and Buck Wild, yeah, n- n- no no calls tonight. Uh, probably do calls. Be calls will be back next week, probably. Um, uh, yeah, no calls tonight, but uh. We will see. Um, we will see. I, I think this game against Indy is a must win. Falcons and Saints play each other next week. And actually, I want to close off with this because I've been debating this and I want to get your thoughts. Would you rather have the Falcons or the Saints win that game? Because because here's here's the thing. If the Saints win, right? If the Saints win, let's say the Saints win and the Bucks win. The Saints have six wins, Bucks have five. But the Bucks have the tiebreaker over the Saints because they beat them once. The Falcons win and the Bucks win. If the Bucks lose, it really doesn't matter. If they lose to Indy, it doesn't matter who wins that game. If the Falcons win and the Bucks win, both have the same record, but Atlanta owns a tiebreaker with an important game coming up. Who would you rather have win that game, Atlanta or New Orleans? Truthfully, I'd rather have Atlanta win it. 
Yeah, just I, that's because, what I was thinking. I think New Orleans is better. Just because I think New Orleans is better this time of year now, especially with Atlanta going back to Ritter at quarterback. Like, that's a big red flag uh, as far as Heineke just not being the guy. But you have to sweep the Saints if they win that game to win the division. You have to just beat Atlanta once. You've already lost to them once. And I like the Bucks' chances better in this second game against Atlanta than I do for them to go out and, and sweep New Orleans. So I would say for that scenario, I, I would prefer Atlanta to come out on top. Which and, I, I don't think and, also, and also, I think even if the Bucks lose to Indy, I think I'd still rather Atlanta. Yes, Atlanta would be up one game with the tiebreaker, but New Orleans would... Oh, but I don't know. Because you have the tiebreaker against New Orleans. If the Bucks lose, my answer might change to New Orleans. Because... Yes, New Orleans would have six wins while you have four, but you have the tiebreaker. Yeah. Whereas Atlanta, they have five wins, you have four, but Atlanta has the tiebreaker over you. So you're you're but, you're, but again, you're fighting from New even Orleans, further behind, basically. Yeah, sweeping yeah. New Orleans isn't isn't going to be easy. Yeah. I don't know. That, that, that that's a, that's a good debate. It's going to be interesting here to see how the NFC South shakes out. I think whatever team wins it, we've been saying it. Since the preseason, it, it's going to be an ugly representation in the playoffs for whoever wins the it's, NFC. Whoever South. whoever wins is going to be nine and eight or eight and nine. So yeah. that's what it's going to be. We'll see if the Bucks can do some more positive things down the stretch. Got to play some good games here in the coming weeks as as they get more and more important every single week. And the door is not completely shut on the postseason. Believe it or not, with a four and six record, can't believe we're still saying that, but it isn't. And the Bucks. Still very much in control of their destiny. They just they have to play well, and they're going to be looking to improve next week against a Colts team that uh, has not been good. So we will see what happens. But ladies and gentlemen, I believe that's just about going to do it for this week's post-game episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. No calls tonight, but we appreciate everybody hanging out with us in the live chat. Our buddy Buck Wild, Deontay with the Super Chats, we appreciate your support, and everybody who is watching from the Mr. Bucks Nation live stream, you guys are awesome. Subscribe to the channel for more great Tampa Bay Buccaneers content. And uh, we'll be live multiple times a week talking Bucks. Looking forward to talking to you guys on Tuesday, the next time we see you. Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And, of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer news as it happens. Speaking of Bucks news as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL and check out his written work at BucksNation.com. What have you got on the slate this week? Uh, yeah, probably going to be doing reactions this week and then obviously another Q&A. So I uh, had our X-Factor out, uh, and I talked about it on the game preview show about how the X-Factor was going to be Tristan Wirfs and Luke Gedeke. So that's out on the site now. If you want to read that, I don't know why you want to read that, but is the game's done. But if you want to read that and just see why I thought them guys would be X-Factors, uh, stay tuned for um, my X-Factor this week. I got to sort of get a feel for it. And again, it might matter on the injury report. Like, is the X-Factor going to be a guy like Devin White? If Levante David don't play, it sure could be. So we'll have to wait and see. Looking forward to it. Last but not least, you can find myself, Instagram and Twitter slash X at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. But that's the show. We'll talk to you guys on Tuesday with some more from this week's loss as we look ahead to next week against the Colts. I'm your host, Rick Matthew, signing off for my co-host, Evan Walsh. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, thank you for listening, and go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.